Welcome to Hope Through the Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. Uh, My guest today is Phil Lewis. He is the director of Winning at Home in Tampa. Phil, thanks so much for your time and uh, sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Really excited and honored to be a part of the Winning at Home team and to be able to share some things from my heart. For sure. Phil, tell me a little bit about your faith journey. How did you get from kind of where you started to where you are today? Yeah, great question. So my family was a, a pastor's family. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I grew up as a PK. Truthfully, when I got to be about 16 or 17, I had a conversation with my parents that said, hey, you know, um, I know this church thing, this God thing is good for you guys, but it's not really what I'm interested in. I'm really kind of interested in Uh, not having a God thing in my life, uh, not living for this Lord that I've learned about my whole life. And so I began literally, I guess, this journey of kind of moving away from that. I knew I wasn't old enough to leave home. I didn't have any money, didn't have any place to go. So it wasn't like I was going to leave then, but I, I, I just wanted to kind of let them know, hey, this is what's happening. And then two days before my 17th birthday, I went through what I would call a truly a come to Jesus moment. There were a lot of things going on in my life that brought me to a place where I was depressed. I was struggling I've always been kind of a, a, a pretty extroverted person, happy person, love to be around people, love life. Um, so that's how I knew this was a really, really big problem. Something was going on I'd, I'd, I'd never experienced before. And uh, for about three months, I went through this really, really dark time. And I remember, I remember because of growing up in a pastor's home, because of growing up in church, because of knowing about Jesus, right? Uh, I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe, maybe I have made kind of the wrong choice. And so I remember there was a, there was a camp going on, not far from our house, about 10 miles out of town. There was a camp that every summer would have youth camp and kids camp and all that kind of stuff. And I had been a part of that, obviously as a pastor's kid. And they were having a rally that night. And I remember going into that camp and standing outside of the, the auditorium, getting ready to go in. And I remember saying to God, God, okay, so here's the deal terrible idea, right? To make a deal with God. But I, I did, I made a deal with God. I said, God, here's the deal. I don't know that you're real. I don't know that you can really help me. I don't know if you're my answer, but if you are, I'm all yours tonight. But if I come out of this auditorium and there's nothing there, then we're done. This is it. Kind of the line in the sand, whatever you want to call it. So I, I remember going in, I don't remember who spoke or what, but it was a concert. And at the end of the concert, the singer said something like this. If you're here tonight and there's something impossible in your life, you feel like there's something that, that you just really need an answer from God. From You're just kind of questioning it all. And I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> that sounds familiar. And I remember standing, it was an old, old auditorium kind of uh, leftover youth center, right? Where everything got piled for all the, we'll give it to the teens. And so I remember the benches were these old red rotted, uh, bubble gum infested things. And, and I remember hanging on to the, to the back of this pew. I remember God speaking so violently to me and yet so lovingly to me that I was shaking so bad. And I was actually bouncing the bench in front of me. And I was like, okay, I think I have my answer. And so I, I went forward. Don't remember what my prayer was, but it, it was a prayer that changed my life. That's what I remember the most. And so I left there, uh, like I said, two days before my 17th birthday, totally changed, totally transformed. That burden, that darkness was gone. And part of my deal with God was if you show up, I'm yours. I'll spend the rest of my life helping other people deal with their darkness, deal with their depression, deal with their struggles, deal with their hurt, deal with their pain. So here I am. 
uh, many, many years later, don't have to tell you how many, right? I, but many, many years later, uh, doing what, what I feel like I, I traded off to the Lord that night. My brokenness, my hurt, my pain, my loss for his will. So oh, that's, that's amazing. That's kind of the, the, the big overview of what happened. So, so kind of fast forward through the next couple of decades. How did, how did you get from, from that turning point moment to the work that you're doing now with winning at home in Tampa? I'll go back up just a second. What was really funny is I was actually still leading Bible studies and stuff uh, as a pastor's kid, right? I mean, that's, that's what you did. And so I wasn't, I, I didn't believe in God, but I, I knew all the answers. So I was, and I was pretty articulate. So I was able, <laughs> they stuck me in there. You're the pastor's kid. This is where you belong. And so I'd already been doing some of that stuff. But once God got a hold of my heart, obviously it was a totally different story. And so I began working as a youth pastor there in my local church alongside of our, uh, our youth pastor, kind of as a youth helper, leading Bible studies, all that kind of stuff. Really got a passion for, for the church. Really began to understand how powerful that entity is. And how God created it to have uh, not only provide fellowship, but to help strengthen people's faith, our community, all that kind of stuff. Really began to see that. And so um, I fell in love with working with teens. And for the first 13 years of my life, that's, that's what I did. That's how I got connected with Dan. And he and I were youth pastors at the same time. We were working on conferences and committees together. Um, that's how we got to be buddies. And so started out as a youth pastor. Um, about 13 years into it, felt like God was doing something different in my life. And that was the family piece. Dan went and kind of formed Winning at Home. I kind of stayed within the local church and figured out a way to kind of um, administer to families there. So I was a, a family and, and, and marriage pastor, I was a worship pastor, executive pastor. I tried all of them. I, I, I tried <laughs> I tried all the positions I could. So over the years, working with moms and dads, husbands, wives, sons and daughters, I just felt like that was really where I, I could make the biggest difference. And I felt like, man, if I can help moms and dads, that's the generational piece, right? If they can get it right and help pass that on to their kids and their kids can pass that on, I mean, it just kind of made sense. And so I, I began kind of pursuing that more and more and more. And really the, what ended up at, at winning a home and Dan had, had asked me over the years, Hey, you know, why don't you come be a part of winning a home? I was like, you know, Dan, I would love to be a part of winning a home. There's only one problem. Don't want to leave Florida. I don't want to move to Michigan. And so when, when I finally got to the place in my pastoral career, where I felt like God was kind of shutting that particular door, um, I was, uh, in conversation with Dan, he and Jane came down and Mindy and I had dinner with them one night and we began talking about some possibilities and, and, and what that would look like. And obviously that, that happened. But the thing that really meant a lot to me was in my ministry over all these years, a couple things I loved the most. Number one, I love speaking. I love the opportunity to get in front of a group of people and just and, and present God's word and, and help people to understand that in a creative way. I have a master's degree in teaching Christian education from Asbury. So I lean towards looking for ways not to preach, but illustrations and stories and things that will things that will really bolt an idea to a person's heart. Right. So that or even their mind. So they'll remember. Sure. So that part I wanted to take with me, whatever I did. Uh, the other part was just working with families, uh, counseling and coaching. My last eight years as a lead pastor, a couple years into it, we were looking for something to do with the community. Um, our church had been known as the production church. In other words, we had these big musical productions, living Christmas trees and big Fourth of July flags and all that kind of stuff. And that was what we were known for in the community. 
But a lot of times those people would come from just other churches for Christian entertainment. It wasn't right. really doing what we had hoped it would do all the time. I mean, sure, there were lives changed, but most of the times the people who were showing up already had changed lives. They were looking to just encourage and that. So we were looking for a way to reach our community. So because of that, I decided to try something one day and we just put out on our marquee free marriage and family counsel. And I wasn't sure who would show up or if anybody would show up. And before long, I found out that that was, uh, that was a really big need in the community. I don't know how many hundreds of people came in in the next few years that would just show up and say, hey, we're here, we're husband, wife, mom, dad, we're struggling, and we got a chance to minister to them. So once I began kind of developing even more of those counseling and coaching skills, I found that that was something I wanted to take too. So obviously a fit for winning at home, it was such a, a perfect environment for me to join because I get that chance to speak to large groups. And I also get a chance to sit across the table from a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or son or daughter or a single or a senior and speak into their lives. And so that's how I ended up here. I think, to be honest, I'm not a licensed clinician, not interested in going that route. I did get certified with John Maxwell and his team as a certified coach and speaker and trainer. And so I have a certificate on the wall, right? But I tell people, look, what you're getting from me is you're getting 35 years of ministry experience, uh, not just picking out what kind of carpet is going to be in the sanctuary or <laughs> what kind of coffee we're going to serve out in the lobby, but thousands, literally thousands of conversations with people just like you that are struggling, that need an answer. You're getting all of that from me. And, uh, and I've been blessed to have that. I don't feel like I would have been, this is going to sound kind of arrogant. I don't mean it this way. Maybe as confident and competent as I am today, if I hadn't gone through that journey of all those things, including how it started by doubting God, wondering if he cared, if he was real and, uh, and making my own choice as a, as a pastor's kid. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but. Uh, no, that's great. That's immensely helpful. Phil, tell me a little bit, how, how did your parents respond when you started to vocalize your season of doubt? Yeah, well, um, I tried to say, I mean, I was, a, I was still a good kid. It wasn't like I was, <laughs> it wasn't like I was in, in a gang or anything like that. I mean, I wasn't looking to just to go way off the deep end. I just wasn't interested in what they had. And so I was very respectful of my parents and their beliefs and all that stuff. So I never approached it like a rebellious. I, I approached it as, I got to figure this out. This isn't a personalized thing for me. I see it in your life. I see it in our family. I see it in other church people, but I'm just not getting it. I'm not sure about the depression piece that I went through a couple months during that time. I'm not sure about how God used that. Uh, I, know, I know what it eventually led to, but my conversation with them was very gentle and very kind. And um, at the same time, just, you know, I'm, I'm just not so sure about this. I, I've got to figure this out. And they were, they were extremely gracious. I, I was the youngest of four kids. So they had a lot of practice, right? They okay. had a lot of practice um, with, I had two older brothers and an older sister. And so they were, they were awesome too at saying, okay, all right. I mean, they didn't like it. It hurt. I'm sure there were lots of nights on their knees praying and crying. I'm sure. I, I don't doubt that at all. But at the same time, um, I think they understood a couple of things. One, they had done a great job setting a foundation. Number two, it had to be something I would decide. And number three, they trusted God. They, they really believed that he would get a hold of my heart. My mom actually tells me a story about the day that I was born, that she had kind of a, a moment where God just really spoke to her and said that he would use me. And I don't need to tell that story. It's kind of a personal story, but 
Um, I didn't know that until after I had given my heart to God mm. and got my life straight around. Then it kind of made sense why she was kind of like, you go do what you want. God's going to chase you down. You, you gotta, I don't know why you're wasting all this time because he, he's going to get you. He's already told me. So maybe that was why they had a little more confidence in, in my future than I did. <laughs> That's such a powerful story, Phil. I think it's a reminder for those of us who are parents, especially who have kids in those transformative uh, young adolescent or early 20s years that are that are really are trying to discover who they are, what they believe, how they're going to live that out. And, it, and I, lo- I love that story because your your mom's kind of promise that she received from God allowed her to play the long game rather yeah. than the kind of panic in real time. Does, it, does that make any sense? Of course, of course. And I, I just, um, obviously the, the most familiar parable of all, at least at the top of the list somewhere, one or two would be the prodigal son. Sure. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about that, because I profess to be a helicopter parent. I snow plowed a lot of roads for my kids. I went ahead of them when they didn't know it. Maybe I sat in the parking lot with binoculars, not going to admit that at all. But, but the point is, it's interesting to me that the prodigals, his father didn't go after him. He, he waited for him. He didn't chase him down. He didn't tell him he was, you know, he didn't try to stop him. And, and I know that you have to be careful in parables and stories to read too much into it. But I think when I talk with people, one of the things that, and, and even I've heard this from uh, some real close friends, one of the things that they've discovered is that sometimes it's best just to, like you said, play the long game and just say, okay, I don't like this. I'm going to do everything I can do, but I really am going to trust that God is going to do everything that he can do. And I don't want to get in the way of that. And I felt, I felt a lot of times raising my girls that God was saying a lot of times, what, what are you doing? Get, get out of my way. I don't want you to fix that for them. This is, this is what they need to go through if, if they're going to get to that. And um, I don't know whether that's what they did or not, but I, I know my mom and dad were faithful to the Lord and, uh, and faithful to me and loved me. And, and yeah, just kind of let it play out. I was telling a group the other day, I said, you know, it's, it's hard to find that line between what you should do as a parent what you should say no to, what you should say yes to, and how you're to protect them. And, and, and obviously there's a piece to that, right? I mean, it's not that you just let them go. You don't care about them. But, and, and then what, what God wants to do. And, and, and I said, you know, there's that line there. And I, and I, and I want to tell you, I want to tell you how to know whether you should do something or just let God do something. I said, you might want to write this down because this is going to be very helpful to you. I said, I want to tell you, I have no clue. I have no idea what that answer is. But God does. And so you've got to do a lot of listening to God, not just talking to God, but a lot of listening. As Dan has, has, has shared many, many times, so much of our conversation or our praying is talking to God and not listening to him and allowing him to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. back off. I, I got your son. I got your daughter. I haven't forgot about you. Let me do my thing. I'll let you know when I'm going to tag you when it's your turn. <laughs> That's great. That's that's such solid perspective, Phil. What are what are some stories or examples of parents that you have seen do that well? That they've they've set a good foundation. They've given their they've given their children leash to to kind of run and discover, but at the same time they didn't they didn't white knuckle it even even when they were internally terrified. Who who's played the who's played the part of that the store the father in that prodigal son story well in, in your life experience. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I'm just trying to remember some of the, uh, obviously from my own life, I've seen that and, and sure. like, uh, the family I grew up in and also the family that my, Mindy and I have, have created here. We had two daughters and, 
maybe the best way to explain that is there were there were times where we intervened too soon, too much. We should have just stayed back, and we we were making decisions based on our our, our personality, who we were, not based on our faith in Christ. And that's what got us into trouble. Okay, and, and I think a lot of times that's that's really you know, that's really what the problem is, is that a lot of times we, we are, we are moved to action based on who we are, not who we think God is. Yeah. And there's, there's a real danger there. And that's why, you know, staying as close to God as you can, asking him to lead you and guide you is, is such an important thing. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can give you an exact illustration. I can, I, I know that there's been a lot of them and I've watched them. I've watched where people have, have, have really been successful on one side and, and, and not so much on the other. And, and I think that's one of the things that has, uh, has kept me. And, and that's the part that I love the most, to be honest, about coaching and counseling is that, is that, you know, I sit across the table from people. They think a lot of times that I'm taking notes for their file. I'm really taking notes for my file. I'm like, oh, that guy said something good. I'm going to say that to Mindy when I get it. That was a horrible, horrible statement he just said to his wife. I need to make sure I don't do that. I think I've seen it enough, watched it enough. I wish I could come up with a kind of a, uh, an exact example for you. But the things that we've discovered in our lives, I think are proof enough to me for sure. That's great. Phil, talk a little bit about coaching. What, what kind of themes or trends have you seen emerging in these last couple, couple months of, and years since you've been doing coaching with, with Winnie at Home? Sure. Um, definitely this, uh, I mean, it would be silly for us not to mention COVID at some, some part that, that sure. plays part in this thing. And so I think the thing that's interesting about all of us, going back to the file part where, you know, taking notes for their file or for my file, we, we, as people are a filing giant filing cabinet, right? I mean, there literally is what's called the hippocampus, which is the filing cabinet of life. Okay. And uh, I thought I had a file out here, but I don't, I just took it into my office. Um, when life happens, we label something and then we start filling that file with our experiences. And then when it happens again, then we can go back and go, Oh, Hey, where's that file? Oh, oh there it is right there. And we open it up and, and it gives us, uh, it gives us comfort. It gives us wisdom. It gives us direction. It helps us to know what to do, what not to do. The problem with COVID is none of us had that file. It, it, it not only was empty, but it wasn't there. I mean, we didn't know what to expect. Obviously, all the things that we've heard, <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a, a political podcast, but all the things that we've heard, uh, one day do this, and the next day, no, don't do that. We change our mind, do this. And the next day, yeah, I think some of it was probably, uh, well, anyway, let, let me label it this. I think the biggest thing was that we were all going through a time that nobody had been through before. Right. Because of that, we had no reference point. So I think the thing that I've learned about, you know, coaching and interacting with people during this time is first of all, to let them know, hey, you're, this is a weird time. And it's a weird time for all of us. Don't freak out because you feel like you're alone or you're, and, and again, COVID isolates, right? Quarantines us, sticks us, and, you know, and separates us from hearing some of those other things like, hey, I went through the same thing you did. And then sometimes it's embarrassment. You're not going to, I'm not going to post that I went through COVID and let people think I was sick, which is dumb because that's, that's probably going to be helpful to somebody else. So to answer your question, I think helping people to understand how our, how our minds work. Um, and how, when you haven't ever been through something before, 
you're going to make probably a lot of mistakes, but you have the opportunity to also learn a lot of things too and grow and, and, and put away the right things. Um, and then of course, coaching is, is what do you do when you made some of those mistakes? What do you do when you've, you know, said or done the wrong things and, and kind of going back and how do you deal with an apology and all that kind of stuff. But I think, obviously, I think the biggest influence on people today has been, has been COVID. And, and I tell them, we'll get a phone call and go, Hey, we need some help in our marriage. Well, what do you need help with? Okay. That's always the question. And, <laughs> and sometimes they'll say everything at other times they'll say, well, uh, communication or conflict resolution. And I'll hear them talking and I'll go, well, you know, it's interesting to me. You both sound like you speak English and they'll usually get a little giggle out of them. I said, so it's not a language barrier. So what's going on? It's not ever communication. It's not. It is, it is the pressures of life. It's their calendar. It's their kids. It's jobs. It's whatever. Because I tell them, I said, look, if I could fly over to you with my helicopter, which I don't have, and I could pick you up and fly you to a beautiful island in the Bahamas and drop you off. Tell me how your relationship would be different. And every time, like, oh man, it would be great. We wouldn't have any problems. With and I said, that's what we're talking about. Your problem is not communication. Your problem is you're letting the problems of your life make you tired, angry, frustrated, short with each other, not enough time to be intimate with each other, to, uh, to have these big conversations that, that, that will make a big impact. So Again, I would say I would say those two things. Help people to understand COVID is is crazy. It seems like it's getting crazier at some point, and that's okay. We're we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it. But also understanding that just like COVID, just like kids, just like financial issues, those are the things that you need to kind of focus in on. It's not that you can't talk. It's not that you don't want to talk. It's not that you're the wrong language. It's there's too many things going on that won't allow you to have successful communication. That's really what. I've seen in the last couple of months, especially. That's super helpful. Phil, how, how do you know when somebody's ready for coaching or for people who like the whole idea of coaching is new to them? How, how might they be able to take a next step towards pursuing a coach? Yeah, man, that's a great question, Steve. And again, this may be a little more personality driven, but I'm the kind of person who, I mean, like I said, I've, I've got a pen and paper here with you because I want to make sure I get you know, write down some things. If there's a question you ask, and I need to think about it a second or jot down some notes. Uh, I'm one of those preachers that when I get ready to, when I get ready to teach or preach, I tell people, get out your notepad, get out your stinking pen. You better be writing this down. I've worked hard on this. I feel like God has given this to me. This is going to be good. So unless you're some kind of Einstein and you can photographically and phonetically remember everything that I've said, get out your paper because you need to write this down. So one of the things that I say to people is, look, I want to be your coach, but I want you to be coached. I want you to want to be coached. This isn't just a, you know, kind of, hey, this is kind of the trendy thing right now. You're hungry for help. Okay. You really, really know that if I don't get some help, I'm going to be in bigger trouble than I already am. And so I love it when people, they come to the table already, or they come to the Zoom already with a pen and paper and they're leaning in and they're eager and they're asking questions and they've thought about it. And, and if I literally, if I work with a couple, a couple times and they're not doing that, I tell them, Hey, this has been fun. Thank you for the money so far, but we're done. You're going to need to either find somebody else that you just want to say the same things over and over to every single week and not do anything about, or you're going to need to really ask yourself a question. Are we ready to get serious about life? So that would be the first thing. And I would say to you, I, I was thinking, actually, this is a great question because I was thinking about this this morning. 
I think I would encourage everybody, no matter where you're at in life, and don't it, let it be a strategy. Don't don't wait for a tragedy, right? Most of the time we respond when our lives completely fall apart and we go, man, I need to get my act together. Get, get your act together before that happens. Save yourself all that pain. And, and I believe that every person, honestly, every person ought to have a counselor or a coach in their life, even if it's just for a season. If you just want to, hey, I'm at a great place and I love the couples that call and say, hey, look, we're not ready to get divorced. We're, we're okay. But we feel like we're getting some bumps, hitting some turbulence. We want to get this fixed now. That would be my encouragement. I think any time is the best time to seek somebody to, to pour into their lives because they, you know, we all have these blind spots in our lives, these places that, that we can't see. And why can't we see them? Because we're blind to them. Okay. And the only way that they can be revealed is through somebody else's eyes. You, you, no one ever, I mean, when I talk with people and they go, Hey, I'm, you know, I've been working on my blind spots. Oh, good. What are they? And they'll list them. And I go, how did you know about them? Well, I, you know, I, I just figured it out. And nothing. then those aren't blind spots. Blind spots mean that they're blind spots and you have to have another voice to reveal them, to show you, to coach you, to help you with them. And we all have them. And some of us may think we don't, but we do. To answer your question, I think if you're not connected with a coach or a counselor, and it's not a sales pitch for winning at home. This is just reality. You, you need to find some people that will give you some encouragement at the very least, some education and enlightenment at the other end of the spectrum, no matter where you're at, no matter what, how, how old you are, for sure. So Phil, if somebody's finally ready to take that jump, what, what, what's their next step? Where, where can they go to kind of start that process? Well, Steve, it would be silly for me to say, uh, don't call winning at home. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say winning at home, but here, here's the thing that I, I love the most about where I am right now. This journey to get to a connection with winning at home has been proven in a, in a great relationship with Dan for well over 35 years. He knows me. I know him. Uh, one of the blessings of being able to have a winning at home Tampa Bay and not have to, not to <laughs> have to move my family to Michigan is the fact that he trusts me. And I trust him. The reason I'm saying that is because I'm a part of winning at home, not just because I was searching around for a group of people that had like-mindedness or values or beliefs that were in alignment with me. I joined winning at home because I believe in Dan. I love Dan. I trust Dan. And the same thing is true for, for him. So I'm saying that to say, I think winning at home is a, is, is a proven organization that not only coaches and counsels people, but truly cares about people. I think that's the big element for winning a home. Yeah, there's some incredible counselors, unbelievable coaches. The qualifications, the degrees, the experience, mountain, ginormous, right? But I think, I think one of the things that winning at home has that, and, I, and I've worked with lots of groups here. I'm part of a network down here. One of the things that they work really hard at is caring and loving and making sure that people experience a love of a counselor or a coach, but they also have the opportunity to come and encounter the love of Christ. I guess that step would be easy. Give them the number to winning at home. And I can give you the one winning at home Tampa Bay and give us a call and, and ask. And uh, one of the things that we do is we offer people, um, a 15, 20 minute Zoom, totally free. We don't take a credit card. It's not a trick. You know, they're not going to get, <laughs> they're not going to get Facebook marketing ads the rest of their lives from me. 
um, but 15, 20 minutes just to have a conversation with them so they can hear, they can see if this, if, if, if there's a, a coach kind of chemistry, because that's important too. And I guess the, the second thing I'd add to that, besides calling winning at home, if you get to winning at home and there's a counselor or coach that, that you enjoy, but just not quite click, that's fine. Don't find somebody else, find somebody else. It's like every other kind of your doctor, your relationship with your doctor. I've been with my eye doctor almost 35 years because we connect, not just because he has the ability as a medical doctor, but because he, he and I have a lot in common. And so you should do that same thing with the coach or with the counselor, find somebody that you connect with and that, and that you feel comfortable with so they can coach you. Well, Phil, thanks so much for your time, uh, for your expertise and uh, for, for your encouragement. Uh, really appreciate yeah. you weighing in today with some great insights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.